Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Boardwalk Real Estate Investment Trust fourth quarter 2021 earnings conference call. At this time, all lines are in listen-only mode, but following the presentation, we will conduct a question and answer session. If at any time during this call you require me to assistance, please press star zero for the operator. Also note that this call is being recorded on Friday, 20, February 25th, 2022. And I would like to turn the conference over to Mr. Eric Powers. Please go ahead, sir. Thank you, Sylvie, and welcome to the Boardwalk Creek 2021 Fourth Quarter Results Conference Call. With me here today is Sam Colius, Chief Executive Officer, Lisa Smandich, Chief Financial Officer, James Hawk, President, and Rick Anda, Head of Acquisitions. Please note that this call is being broadly disseminated by way of webcast. If you have not already done so, please visit bwalk.com investors where you will find a link to today's presentation as well as PDF files of the trust financial statements, MDNA, as well as supplemental information package. Starting on slide two, we would like to remind our listeners that certain statements in this call and presentation may be considered forward-looking statements. Although the expectations set forth in such statements are based on reasonable assumptions, Boardwalk's future operation and its actual performance may differ materially from those in any forward-looking statements. Additional information that could cause actual results to differ materially from these statements are detailed in Boardwalk's publicly filed documents. I would like to now turn the call over to Sam Colius. Thank you, Eric, and welcome everyone to our Q4 conference call. Starting on slide four, our strategy continues to deliver strong results with our FFO, profit per unit, net asset value and unit holder equity, and fair value of investment properties, all seeing increases over the last four years. Slide five, our Q4 2021 FFO per unit growth is 11.9%. Our 2021 FFO of $2.94 is up 7.3% versus last year. Our FFO per unit, three-year compounded annual growth rate is 10%. Slide six, our strategy to create value for our stakeholders begins with our people. We are positioned and are so grateful for our amazing team who continues to innovate and deliver our places, homes for our resident members. In turn, this leads to leading earnings performance, which we believe will continue to result in strong total returns for our stakeholders. Our strategic focuses are significant organic growth from utilizing our proven platform that focuses on operational excellence to optimize NOI growth. When we pair this with the current improvement in apartment rental fundamentals, we are well positioned to accelerate on our organic growth trend. Accretive Capital Recycling focuses on opportunistic investment into acquisitions, development, and investment into our high-quality existing portfolio with a tactical unit buyback. These opportunistic investments, combined with our operational optimization, have positioned Boardwalk to increasing asset values within Boardwalk's diversified and high-quality multifamily portfolio. Our solid financial foundation provides flexibility on our balance sheet with our growing free cash flow and with CMHC insurance on 98% of our financings, which provides access to low-cost mortgage capital with reduced renewal risk. Slide seven, we are in the right place at the right time, delivering solid growth. Boardwalk's existing exposure to strong rental demand, unregulated markets with increased immigration, significant organic growth, as Alberta and Saskatchewan have some of the most affordable rental rates in the country with limited new supply versus demand in both international and interprovincial migration. Declining inventories of homes, rising home prices, and rising construction costs are all widening the gap between our replacement costs of our assets 
and our current evaluation. Construction levels remain low relative to historical levels and the stronger demand for housing. Interest rates with CMHC insured mortgages continue to be low cost source of capital to pursue accretive opportunities. Slide eight. In addition to the positive impact that higher commodity prices are providing to our Western Canadian markets, there has been a steady stream of investment and job creating announcements from the emerging technology and energy sectors. As of the most recent data, over 88,000 jobs are now vacant and available in Alberta, which is approximately 30% growth in job vacancies since April 2021. Slide 9 shows strong economic momentum with job and wage growth from the most recent Statistics Canada release. Alberta and Saskatchewan remain the only self-regulated markets in Canada. Boardwalks mark-to-market which includes the reduction of incentives, averages $147 per month and equates to a significant $55 million revenue opportunity. Slide 10. Our markets and portfolio provide some of the most affordable rents in Canada when comparing to average incomes. In addition, average projected population growth in our markets are outpacing new supply leading to strong apartment rental and housing market fundamentals. Our available supply and affordability are a great opportunity for new and existing Canadians looking for a new affordable place to call home. Slide 11 shows our retention is increasing with decreasing turnovers and a steady occupancy of approximately 96%. As per our appendix slide 35, we are seeing more move-ins from out of town as more Canadians move back to Alberta and Saskatchewan. Slide 12, show our key operational metrics with actual occupancy of approximately 96%. Incentives continue to drop, occupied rent continues to increase with vacancy loss increasing slightly in the slower winter season, resulting in steady revenues. Slide 13 shows continual improvement in net rental rates. New leases saw slightly higher incentives during our slower winter season and renewals continue to see an improvement reflecting an increase of inflation. Our total portfolio new and renewal leases remain steady during the slower winter season and through the fifth COVID wave. Year over year, we have seen a significant improvement. With restrictions easing, we are seeing growing strength in our apartment rental fundamentals, positioning us to capture our significant mark-to-market opportunity. We would like to now pass the call on to Lisa Smandich, who will provide us with an overview of our portfolio performance, operating margins, balance sheet, and repositioning results. Lisa? Thank you, Sam. Moving to slide 14. Despite a fifth wave of COVID and a historical slower season, we experienced continued revenue momentum with sequential revenue growth of 0.3% in Q4 2021 as compared to Q3 2021. With stable occupancy and net effective rents increasing, we expect this positive sequential revenue growth to continue. Our Q4 2021 quarterly operating results reflect positive NOI growth of 3.4% with positive growth in all our major markets with the exception of Quebec. In Quebec, same property NOI growth was negative. However, when excluding the seniors community Lasca, which was recently repositioned to a conventional multifamily asset, same property NOI growth was down 1% in Quebec compared to Q4 2020. For fiscal 2021, NOI grew by 0.1% as a result of slightly lower revenues year over year offset by a decrease in operating expenses. With improved NOI growth in both Q3 and Q4 of 2021, the Trust is forecasting positive NOI growth in 2022, as discussed later in this presentation. On slide 15, consistent with prior years, in fiscal 2021, the Trust remained disciplined and focused on managing its controllable expenses, despite increases in non-controllable costs, resulting in margin improvement of 50 basis points in 2021. This discipline has resulted in declining controllable expenses year over year 
and when coupled with our revenue growth potential, will allow margins to continue to improve. Slide 16 illustrates Boardwalk's mortgage maturity schedule. Our mortgages are well staggered, with approximately 98% of our mortgage balance carrying NHA insurance through the Canada Mortgage and Housing Corporation. This insurance remains in effect for the full amortization of the mortgage, and in addition to carrying the Government of Canada's backing, provides access to low-cost financing with a current estimated five-year CMHC rate of 2.5%. With current rates below the trust maturing rates, mortgage financing continues to be a low cost of capital available to the trust. Slide 17 summarizes our 2021 mortgage program. Overall, we renewed $354.8 million, as well as secured $152.6 million in new financing at interest rates lower than the maturing rate. Slide 16 summarizes our 2022 mortgage maturities. To date, we have renewed or forward-locked approximately 9% of our 2022 mortgage maturities, as well as secured $42 million in new financing at low interest rates, which included converting our construction loan on Brio to a CMHC-insured mortgage. Current underwriting criteria in our most recent submissions to CMHC and our lenders has remained in line with our historically conservative estimates. Moving to the right of the slide, we provide a summary of Boardwalk's available liquidity. The trust is well positioned with approximately $106 million in cash and subsequently funded financings, as well as an undrawn $199 million operating line. This approximate $306 million in liquidity provides the trust with a flexible financial position, as well as providing the ability to take advantage of opportunities as they present themselves. Slide 19. The trust debt metrics continue to improve, with an interest coverage ratio of 2.97 in the current quarter. This continuous improvement is the result of strong financial performance led by cash flow growth coupled with low-cost debt financing. Slide 20 illustrates the trust estimated fair value of its investment properties, excluding adjustments for IFRS 16, which, and, which totaled $6.4 billion as at December 31, 2021, as compared to $5.9 billion as at December 31, 2020. The increase in overall fair value is largely the result of decreasing cap rates. Market transactions throughout 2021, as well as discussions with our external appraisers, supported cap rate compression of 25 basis points in the majority of our Western Canadian markets. With our Ontario portfolio, we recognize cap rate compression of 50 basis points through 2021, while the majority of our Quebec portfolio, which includes our land-leased assets, also experienced cap rate compression of 50 basis points. Current estimated fair value of approximately $190,000 per door remains significantly below replacement cost. Slide 21 provides a summary of the recycling of cash flow towards value-add improvements. To date, we have completed approximately 29% of total suite improvements, while also completing 45% of our total portfolio, common areas, and amenity spaces. Our focus is to continue to deliver the best product, optimizing our capital allocation for our value-add program to our targeted resident member demographic, so we can continue to provide the most exceptional, elevated experience at an affordable price. The result is increased market demand, exceptional value, and appealing returns with sustainable market rent adjustments. Slide 22 illustrates our stabilized renovation returns for Greenbrier Apartments located in Regina, Saskatchewan, and Ridgeview Gardens in Calgary, Alberta, with returns of 23% and 10% respectively, which have exceeded our internal hurdle rate of 8%. Our renovations continue to garner positive resident member testimonials, driving referrals, and higher occupancy. I would now like to turn the call to Rick Anda to discuss our acquisitions, development, and dispositions. Rick? Thank you, Lisa. By year-end, Boardwalk has opportunistically invested $72 million to acquire two communities highlighted on slide 23. Both Mountain View Estates in Banff and Aurora in Victoria were acquired in Q2 2021 and are performing in line with expectations. Boardwalk is currently in discussions with the municipality of Banff to review the opportunity to utilize the excess land located on the, at the site to develop more housing for this undersupplied market. Aurora also continues to operate at full occupancy and provide a base of operation for boardwalk in the city. Victoria is a market that the trust continues to be active in sourcing accretive and opportunistic opportunities to expand. Slide 24 provides a brief update on our active development pipeline. 
Our Brampton development continues to progress on time and on budget with anticipated delivery of the first tower of the 365-unit marquee community in the fall of 2022. Our Aspire development is directly adjacent to our Aurora acquisition in Victoria and now has a submitted development permit. We continue to progress on entitlements at our second development in Victoria area named the Marin. Our expectation for yield and cap rate remain unchanged. Slide 25 provides a summary and update of our active capital recycling through the sale of non-core assets. In addition to the three non-core sales the Trust completed in 2021 in Edmonton and Saskatoon, Boardwalk has completed the sale of our 50% interest in the Sandalwood development site in Mississauga. I would like to now turn the call over to James Hall. Thanks, Rick. As we look forward to 2022, slide 26 provides our stakeholders with our current view on sources and uses of capital. From a source standpoint, we believe that our growing internally generated cash flow, low-cost mortgage financing, as well as equity from non-core asset dispositions currently represent the most attractive sources of capital. These sources can be used to fund attractive and accretive capital allocation opportunities such as our continued focus on platform innovation, our value-add capital improvement program, new development, opportunistic acquisitions, and the investment in our own high-quality portfolio at a discount to intrinsic value through our normal course issuer bid. Since November of 2021, Boardwalk has invested approximately $31 million in buybacks and has been an excellent use of proceeds from recent non-core asset sales. Our team will continue to update its view of capital sources and uses on a regular basis and as market conditions change. Slide 27 provides detail on the exceptional value that Boardwalk's current trust units represent. Our current trading price implies a value of approximately $170,000 per apartment door and compares favorably to recent apartment transactions. Our NAV of $67 per trust unit, equating to $190,000 per apartment door, represents an exceptional opportunity relative to market pricing and remains well below the increasing cost of replacement. Utilizing trailing 12-month property NOI on slide 28, Boardwalk's current trading price equates to an attractive 4.9% cap rate and is a significant spread to the cost of available mortgage capital as well as recent capitalization rates seen in transactions in our markets. With continued sequential revenue and NOI growth in Boardwalk's portfolio, these cap rates represent an attractive option and the potential for the trust to continue to invest in our own high-quality portfolio. Slide 29 provides a review of our 2021 performance relative to our expectations and guidance. Since our reintroduction of guidance earlier this year, we had revised our performance estimates upwards in the third quarter. And as we report our full-year results, are proud to deliver on strong results that aligned with our upwardly revised ranges with second half same property NOI growth of 3.1% and FFO per unit of $2.94. As we look forward to the new year, Boardwalk is introducing its 2022 operating and financial guidance on slide 30. For fiscal 2022, the trust is anticipating same property NOI growth of between 3 and 7% and FFO per unit performance of between $3.03 and $3.18. Our team is committed to leading in transparency and will update our stakeholders in the event of any change in conditions that may materially impact our forecast. On slide 31, Boardwalk is pleased to announce an 8% increase to our monthly per unit distribution to $0.09 per trust unit per month and equating to $1.08 per trust unit on an annualized basis. Trust continues to have an industry low payout ratio, providing significant cash flow reinvestment, positioning us with ample capital for growth. As we continue to grow our free cash flow, our distributions will also continue to grow alongside. And lastly, on slide 32, our third annual ESG report will be published toward the end of March and will include updates to our new and ever improving initiatives, including details from our 2021 Gresby score of 69 information on our new internal certification program called VWELL, our new RISE scholarship program, and a further governance update, including our recent strong governance scores. This concludes the formal portion of our presentation. 
I would now like to open up the phone line for questions. Sylvie? Thank you, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, if you would like to ask a question at this time, please press star followed by one on your touchtone phone. You will then hear a three-tone prompt acknowledging your request. And if should you wish to withdraw your question, simply press star followed by two. And if you're using a speakerphone, we do ask that you please lift the handset before pressing any keys. And your first question will be from Jonathan Kelcher at TD Securities. Please go ahead. Thanks. Uh, good morning. Good morning, Jonathan. Um, first, first question, just on the, the guidance, the same property NOI guidance. Um, how are you guys thinking about the, the top line of that in terms of uh, occupancy growth versus generating higher uh, rental rates? Yeah, I think, hey, Jonathan, it's James. You know, from an occupancy growth standpoint, and as you can see in our disclosures, pretty well all of the markets uh, have seen a strong tightening in terms of housing conditions. The one place where we do have a, a significant opportunity for occupancy growth is in our northern Alberta portfolio. Our team is optimistic, uh, certainly with the traffic that we've seen since the um, slower winter months in December and January that were affected and, and impacted by uh, our fifth wave, as well as the uh, exceptionally cold weather, the month of February has actually seen a strong pickup in terms of foot traffic, and we are uh, anticipating occupancy build from there. Um, in terms of leasing spreads, Jonathan, uh, and you can see that in the in the conference call, and Sam spoke to it in his prepared remarks, we're seeing strong momentum pretty well across the, the portfolio. Um, renewals are positive across the board, uh, including Northern Alberta. Um, we continue to see positive momentum on that going forward. Uh, our retention teams are doing a fantastic job of um, uh, performing from a leasing spread standpoint and really reducing those incentives in all of our markets. New leasing spreads, positive again, uh, pretty well in every market with the exception of Northern Alberta. However, our Northern Alberta leasing spreads have moved um, uh, better than they have been in the past. We're seeing slight negative uh, leasing spreads on, on new renewals, and pardon me, on new leases, however, completely offset by our performance on renewals today. Okay, that's, uh, that's helpful. And then I guess on the top end, um, it obviously implies some, some margin expansion. Can you maybe give us your thoughts on how you think expense growth will, will go for property taxes, utilities, and operating costs? Yeah, hi, Jonathan, it's Lisa. Um, so focusing, I guess, first on the operating costs, which is the majority of our controllable expenses. Uh, for, for the majority of those we've budgeted, um, I'm going to call it a more normalized inflationary expense. Uh, we're going we're to lean on our internal team. We're going to lean on our warehouses to try to keep all of those costs in line with a typical standard inflation rate, uh, continue to benefit from the work we've done in the past on those line items and continue to maintain that focus. From a non-controllable expense standpoint, uh, and insurance remains a little bit of a headwind. It still is a supply-constrained market. Uh, we'll continue to work hard to try our best. We still have all of our tenant insurance to try to keep those premiums as low as possible. Utilities perspective, um, weather is always the, the, the unknown factor, I would say, so that's always the challenge. What we do do is we do uh, hedge our utilities as much as possible. So the good news from a hedging perspective is the hedge we had in place for Western Canada in 2021 remains in place for 2022. So utilities, we do expect there will be a little bit of an increase there, um, but nothing hopefully too material. It'll, of course, depend on what the weather does for us. And lastly, from a property tax perspe perspective, we're looking at more standard inflationary incre increases there, so normalized prop property tax increases. Okay. Um, thanks for that. And then, Sam, just on the um, capital allocation and the, and the dividend increase, um, is that in keeping still, I guess the 8% is keeping in line with your sort of minimum payout? And should we really think about future dividend growth um, from here from here out in, in line with FFO growth? Yes, Jonathan, minimum payout equals maximum retention of free cash flow, which we all agree is the least cost of capital. And, and gives us an advantage uh, redeploying that in opportunistic um, uh, opportunities that uh, maximize uh, the return of that uh, free cash flow. And so going forward, we'll continue to adjust as our returns are realized from our uh, free cash flow and our investments 
and our profit continues to increase, then of course our distribution will continue to increase uh, to offset the uh, taxable portion of our profitability. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Okay, that's, uh, that's it for me. Thanks. Thank you, Jonathan. And your next question will be from Dean Wilkinson at CIBC. Please go ahead. Thanks. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Dean. Congratulations, James. That's some pretty big arms to fill. Um, just on that uh, distribution increase, to clarify Jonathan's question there. So is that 108 figure you've set it at, is that the taxable portion, or did you kind of put a, a bit of a buffer in there? Yeah, as as you, hi Dean, it's Lisa. As you know, we always um, we do look at disposing some of our non-core assets. Uh, that's a key mm -hmm. area for us, taking those equity proceeds to be able to redeploy elsewhere. So within um, whenever we're looking at our distribution, we do allow for some room for a potential capital gain on sale. So it's our taxable income plus a portion for capital gains. Okay, so there. So if you do do any recycling, we shouldn't expect any sort of a special distribution or anything uh, from that. No, unless we, as always, we're opportunistic. So, should there be an opportunity that would allow us to potentially look at a different non-core asset disposition, that would be the only reason why. Sort of similar to what happened in 2021, where opportunities presented themselves to allow us to dispose more. But no, yep. right now at this juncture, the plan would be to stay within that regular distribution. Got it. And you can only sell Windsor once, so that's out of the way. Um, Sam, just talking about the Edmonton market. You guys are on the ground there. You've got you've got a large workforce in of yourselves. You see a lot of stuff. How is the employment market shaping up there, given what we're seeing? So you know, in the strength of price of oil, and and how do you think that flows through to vacancy and the burnout for incentives uh, in in Edmonton for you? Uh, right now, we're seeing an acceleration of rentals in Edmonton, reflecting the job opportunities and the 88,000 empty jobs uh, that require uh, filling in Alberta statistics. Uh, uh, historically, what we see is a pickup in employment in Calgary head office uh, mm -hmm. staff, white collar, and then the big trickle down into field services and the, and the blue collar workforce demographic of Edmonton. And so we're just starting to see that as we speak and our uh, rentals so far uh, versus move-outs are the largest in Edmonton. Most of our absorption that we're seeing this month is happening in Edmonton. It's actually the bulk of the uh, uh, rentals above move-outs. Okay, that's encouraging. Um, and then the last question for me just comes back into, into, the, into the debt. Um, how do you guys look at, because, you know, the, the debt that you've got rolling over this year, there, there could be some savings if you go short, uh, but you could take your duration out longer than the 3.8 years if you kind of lock it in at, at the 10, and, you know, who knows what rates are going to do going forward. How are you guys thinking about term versus weighted average cost of debt uh, right now? Hey, Dean, it's James. Yeah, from, from our standpoint, priority one always is to uh, build a, a nice ladder for our maturity curve. Um, and as a function of that, I think you'll see us strategically select various terms uh, along the way. We are, to your point, seeing some very attractive pricing on the shorter end. 
know, five-year money seems to be very attractive, less than five-year money, um, uh, even more so. All that said, you know, on the long end, if you look at our maturity curve, there's an opportunity for us to do a lot more six, seven, eight, nine, ten years. Um, I think since mm -hmm. the past year, you'll see us continue to build out that ladder and um, take advantage of, of this current rate environment when, when it exists. Great. That's it for me. I will hand it back to uh, give some others the chance. Thanks, guys. Thank Next question will be from Kyle Stanley at Desjardins. Please go ahead. Thanks. Uh, morning, everyone. Um, morning, Kyle. Looking at your uh, your 2022 capital budget, it calls for about 100 100-ish million of uh, value-add capital spending. I'm just wondering, can you talk a little bit about where you expect that capital to be deployed throughout the year? Yeah, hi, Kyle. It's Lisa. Um, so a value-add value perspective, I guess just a reminder that we define value-add as um, basically anything that enables um, operating cost savings or a revenue growth opportunity. So within that capital budget, you will see that we do break out sort of the major categories of where that spend would be. So value-add projects would include anything from uh, envelope work, windows work, all of our common area renovations and repositioning programs, uh, suite upgrades on the majority of our suites where it's a full renovation or partial renovation. Does that help answer your question, or do you want a bit more detail than that? No, no, I, th I think that's good. That uh, that makes sense. Um, and then just one other one, and it came from uh, the remarks from the presentation, just looking at the, um, you know, the, the Banff asset, and um, you mentioned that you're in discussions with the municipality about, uh, you know, potentially intensifying the site. Wondering if there's, you know, it's still, I understand it's probably still very early in that process, but just wondering if there's any more information you could provide on, on the potential opportunity there. We're very happy at Sam speaking with our discussions with Banff and the discussions that Banff needs more housing. And our discussion with the city planners are, are recognizing the, the real need for more housing in Banff. All throughout the, the uh, Alberta economic um, correction uh, over the last five years, BAMP was very strong and reflects an a, a international um, market and during COVID reflected a, a, a domestic uh, tourist uh, market. And so it's very resilient marketplace and it continues to show strong growth fundamentals that reflect the desperate need of new housing and more housing in that market. So, so we are very pleased with our discussion so far. It's going to take some time, and and uh, we'll keep everybody posted with with how that uh, comes along because we we really want to focus in on that opportunity. Okay, great. That's uh, that's helpful. That's it for me. I'll turn it back. Thanks. Thank you. Next question will be from Mario Sarek at Scotia Bank. Please go ahead. Hi, good morning. First off, I just want to clarify uh, when Northern Alberta is mentioned, uh, presumably that includes Edmonton uh, and not just Fort Mac in, in the discussion. Is that correct? Correct, yes. Okay. Um, so coming back to the guidance, uh, are you able to provide a bit more color in terms of within that three to seven percent same property line, uh, what the same property revenue and same property expense growth rates look like? Hey Mario, it's James. Uh, as you know, we provide formal guidance on that same property NOI line. Um, all that said, I think Lisa did a fantastic job just earlier, you know, providing that detailed breakout on the expense side. Um, you know, given those two components, uh, we can we can um, wager what that revenue uh, looks like, kind of from that bottom to that top end. You know, generally speaking, you know, we're that build out looks like something from three to six percent. So, sorry, three to six percent on the top line. Yes, Mario. Sorry. Okay. Perfect. Uh, and then, uh, you know, coming back to Edmonton, uh, it's encouraging to hear uh, some of the absorption commentary um, from Sam. Uh, when we look at that sequential revenue growth uh, line item, how far into 22 do you think that the kind of sequential revenue growth data point for Edmonton, uh, how long do you think it'll take for it to exceed the portfolio average? 
uh, Mario and Sam, we're we're seeing a significant opportunity for our our international uh, migrants and new Canadians coming in because of the uh, opportunity that Edmonton presents our new Canadians of of availability and empty suites now. Uh, we're seeing a uh, a, a great um, cooperation by all levels of governments and nonprofits to uh, uh, to uh, provide uh, an outsized or disproportionate share of new Canadians' homes in Edmonton. This is a very uh, significant opportunity uh, for Canadians and all of us, and and we're just starting to see uh, the beginning of that migration as we speak. We've, uh, and our team, has significant discussions with all levels of governments and not-for-profits to make sure everybody's aware of this opportunity and we're just starting to see the fruits of that and those efforts uh, now. And, and it's a win-win for everybody uh, getting new Canadians out of motel uh, rooms into permanent housing, which is, is a big benefit as well. Uh, the new Canadians are really strong uh, in, in language and skills. We need uh, a, a, a bigger workforce here too. So, so it's a win-win in, in many ways. Uh, we're, we're starting to see a, a pickup in capital spending uh, from our major producers. Both Suncor and Canadian Natural have announced a billion dollars more in spending uh, just just over the last uh, month or so in, in their announcements. And we're seeing, uh, e even though Fort, Mur Fort McMurray is a very small market of ours, we're, see we're seeing, as we speak, a significant pickup in demand in rentals in Fort McMurray right now. Our, our um, manager in Fort Mac, Marsha, is over the top happy with all the rentals that, that we're seeing in, in Fort Mac, and, and uh, we're very, very pleased. Uh, with that, so timing. Uh, we we think it'll be sooner. Sorry for the long answer, but uh, to wrap it up, we think the absorption will be sooner. Uh, right now, Edmonton's on track for about a hundred rentals uh, to absorb, approximately, which is a, which is approximately one percent. Uh, Edmonton's uh, vacancy is approximately seven percent, and so. A six to seven percent, and and so a one percent drop this month and over the next several months in our stronger seasonal uh, period uh, is something that we are expecting and seeing as we speak, and and that will give us significant additional revenue by increasing our occupancy where our occupancy can increase most, and that's in our Edmonton marketplace uh, that we have currently approximately 800 apartment units which rep represent uh, a significant revenue opportunity uh, for us when we fill those those empty units. Got it. And maybe uh, just come back to your question or your comment on immigration, Sam, I think it's a good point. Like when I look back over time, uh, Edmonton as a percentage of total international immigration into Canada has been about 4 to 5%, so about 4% in 21 and 5% in the past five years. In your discussions with uh, the government, any, any sense on, is there a target level where that 5% can go to? Like, is, is it possible for it to double, or uh, is it less formal than that? Our, our discussions uh, with all levels of government is to work together and make sure we're all on the same page to increase that simply because there are homes available and, and we're, we're, we're getting the message out and the news out, it's good news. Uh, they're some of the most affordable homes in the country as well. It fits within the uh, grants and, and um, uh, the benefits that, that new Canadians uh, are accessing, are able to access as well. And so Edmonton presents a great opportunity uh, to welcome and, and provide uh, homes for new Canadians and and is a big part of how we are part of the solution in in increasing affordable housing in in Canada. Uh, one last question on Edmonton, and then I'll turn it back. Uh, you know, part of the challenge in Edmonton recently has been a bit of new supply uh, coming in. 
do you uh, do you have a sense in terms of where the occupancy levels are in that new supply uh, specifically today relative to six months ago? Uh, you, you know, we we always are active in shops and and we visit uh, new communities all the time. Um, Calgary is is um, impressive. Uh, the absorption's pretty high. Edmonton suburban still again pretty high. The challenges in Edmonton are in the downtown core still and the small apartment sizes. Even though the the rental rates are, are affordable, the unit sizes are very small. And so we've got a big advantage in our repositioning program that our design and our in-house capital teams have upgraded and repositioned our older, larger size communities into like new communities. And, and it's really, really tough to compete with us with a very small uh, new unit. And, and so that's the only pocket of, of vacancy that we're seeing struggling uh, as far as new supply is, is concerned right now. Okay. Thanks, Sam, and uh, congratulations to James and Leonora on the appointments. Thank you, Mario. Next question will be from Howard Leung at Veritas Investment Research. Please go ahead. Hi, uh, thank you so much. Uh, I wanted to um, uh, turn the questions to the sources and use uh, of uh, capital table because I, I found them very helpful. Um, starting with, uh, I want to start with value add capex. So you know, you, you you guys have all come a long way, and um, there's I I see now that almost uh, half of your common areas are uh, are, are renovated, um, and uh, you know almost a third of your suites. When you think about you know, and and the renovations are giving good returns. When when you think about um, your plan going you know down the next three to five years, you know is, is the plan to have 100% of your common areas. Uh, renovated, or is, at, is there at some point, you know, that you're going to slow down and maybe the value add, you know, capex is not going to be as attractive in terms of returns. You know, what, what's your thoughts on that? Hey, Howard, it's James here. Um, on for common areas, I mean, it's been an exceptional investment that we've made, as you've seen in some of our examples, and in, in terms of the yields that we're getting for those investments. You know, in terms of uh, the scope that we have, I think we've we've found a great formula in terms of uh, updating and high grading those common areas. Our residents appreciate it. It really provides that ability for us to, you know, incrementally reduce those incentives and to drive occupancy and outperform from an occupancy standpoint and really stand out relative to our peers and our competition. And so from our standpoint, as long as there uh, continues to be a market uh, for that improved product, we'll continue to invest there. You know, as it stands today as, and our outlook certainly for the next uh, uh, several years, we believe that we're going to continue to have that opportunity to do so. Makes sense. And and I guess near term, you know, with inflationary pressures, you're, you're not seeing that really take down um, some of these returns. Hi, Howard, it's Lisa. I think that's one of those areas where we've highlighted a lot how much we benefit from our vertical integration and our warehousing abilities. So, uh, yes, there is inflationary pressure. However, uh, we often use our in-house team to do that work, and so we can avoid all that contractor cost and contractor margin. In addition to that, we just make sure to have product. We buy product in bulk, so benefit from pricing advantage by buying in bulk and the ability to, to warehouse it. Um, don't get me wrong, we, we always monitor it. We always monitor the price inflation and make sure we try to get the best price possible. But so far, we have been fortunate to have our vertical integration program. Makes sense. And then going back to the uh, the, the uses of capital uh, table, um, you know, the, the, debt, the debt pay down right now is listed as, as low in terms of return. And, you know, given the rates, they're still, you know, it still seems like it makes sense. You know, if we kind of think about a year or two from now, you know, if we are kind of in a consistent rate hike cycle, you know, at what point do you think, you know, and maybe there's no clear break even, but at what point, you know, do you, do you think that uh, it might be prudent to pay down some debt? Hey, Howard, it's James. Uh, I think, you know, from our standpoint, 
it's very difficult to answer that one single item in isolation, right? Because it's it's relative to other allocation opportunities, and that is part of our strategy to be opportunistic in terms of allocating that capital to drive FFO growth, to drive NAV growth on a per unit basis. And so, you know, to that end, uh, to your point, right now, debt financing continues to see attractive interest rates. You know, our team is sourcing great places to look for uh, allocation opportunities, such as our buyback, as we highlighted. Um, and so from the, at, at this point, you know, Howard, uh, we'll continue to monitor this. We'll continue to update this on a quarterly basis as well um, and inform and share with our stakeholders our view and thoughts in terms of where where's best uh, to allocate capital. Makes sense, yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's all relative. Thanks. Uh, that's it for me. I'll, uh, I'll turn it back and uh, congrats. James and Lenora on the appointment. Thank you, Howard. Thank you, Howard. Next question will be from Joanne Chen at BMO Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Hi, good morning. And yeah, morning. congrats again, James. Um, maybe just going back on, I know uh, this has been asked a couple of times in different ways, but on the SDNI growth target of 3 to 7%, um, would it be possible for you to kind of uh, break down uh, kind of the growth by region where you see, you know, kind of the higher areas where you could probably be in the higher end of that, that range. Hey, Joanne, maybe I can start. It's James here. Um, you know, certainly outside of the scope of our kind of formal guidance, again, that same property NOI at a portfolio basis is you know, where we will stick. Um, all that said, and Sam touched on this a little bit earlier from a region to region standpoint, you know, if we look at leasing spreads, you know, renewals, we are positive across the board. Um, mm-hmm. you, see it in, you see it in that conference call slide or that presentation. Um, good news, uh, our team, like we had mentioned earlier, uh, we're starting to see some improvement on that across the board. You know, new leasing spreads are positive, again, pretty well across the board, with the exception of our northern Alberta portfolio, uh, which we are starting to see some improvement there. The biggest opportunity we have is that occupancy in northern Alberta as well, um, and as you know, fundamentals continue to improve, I think we're going to be able to you know, close that gap there. And so, you know, from a regional breakdown, uh, I, I think, you know, hopefully we've given enough color to be able to uh, discern how we're thinking about each of those regions. Uh, yeah, no, that, that is helpful. Um, maybe just shifting gears, I guess, on the capital and recycling front, of, you know, do you see even more opportunities within 2022, especially with where pricing is right now? And on the flip side of that, I guess, um, would you look to redeploy that capital on um, on the acquisitions front, and where which markets uh, do you see the most attractive opportunities right now? Hey, Joanne, it's James again. Uh, again, I'll start maybe uh, on the on the recycling front. You know, certainly uh, we're going to remain opportunistic with that. I think uh, you've seen us be fairly consistent with that over the last two three years. You know, pairing uh, opportunistically pairing some of our non core assets. Uh, with unique allocation opportunities where we've been very clear in terms of you know how attractive we believe an investment in our own portfolio is here today and so again depending on the opportunity um, from our standpoint you know we will look to recycle capital um, when appropriate and as appropriate but I, I would say you know the trend that we've seen over the last two three years certainly um, outside of any any exceptional opportunity may be um, the likely norm going forward Okay. Uh, nope, that is very helpful. Uh, most of my questions have been asked, so I will turn it back. Thank you very much. Thank you, Joanne. Next question will be from Matt Kornack at National Bank Financial. Please go ahead. Hi, guys. Um, just to follow up on, on the CapEx side of the equation, because I think given uh, the nature of the Alberta market and the lack of rent control, there's less of a kind of push to mark to market on turnover uh, and maybe less of an inclination in a tight market to spend money on suites. Is that is that a fair kind of view that uh, as things tighten, you may actually see CapEx go down because you can get mark to markets and, and and do it in normal course as opposed to trying to get the highest rent uh, from the best tenant day one? Matt, it's Sam. Historically, we've learned it's uh, prudent to provide great product and service. And, and uh, it, it's challenging when the market tightens to be able to renovate because the demand is 
is, is um, uh, challenging uh, for uh, getting suites uh, renovated uh, given the, the strong demand. And, and it's, it's really the answer is a balance. Uh, and the good news is the materials that we've been using over the last several years and all the improvements that we have made are making our turns a lot, lot quicker. Uh, with the laminate flooring that we have and, and the cabinet uh, uh, material that is more durable, uh, these turns are going to last for, for many, many years. And it really depends on the existing shape of the unit to make sure our product is always uh, uh, up to snuff and, and uh, competitive and renewed. Uh, asset preservation is a big focus as well uh, as our, our Vice President of Asset Management management will uh, will attest to so it, it's it's a balance it's a it's a tough question uh, to answer uh, because really it is driven by by the market uh, forces first and foremost and secondly by the the qualitative um, uh, levels that we want to uphold our communities at and it's it's super important for us to continue to preserve our assets and and maximize the value to our resident members. That in turn then maximizes retention, satisfaction, and increases our, our um, uh, uh, performance in, in profitability and return. Fair enough. Um, and then just on the cadence of uh, the same property NOI growth, I think you have a, a bit of a weaker comp in the first half of the year given uh, there was some allocation on the property tax side uh, that, that got alleviated in the back half of the year. But it, generally, it is your thought process that the market continues to improve over the balance of the year and that uh, when you're comping sort of the, the harder comps towards the second half of the year, that at that point you'll have uh, higher occupancies and improving market rents? I think so, Matt. Sorry, I'm just trying to reframe um, that cadence that you had suggested. But, you know, from our standpoint, uh, again, you know, starting the year here, December and January, as we um, look at the weather that we had, we look at the seasonal slowdown that we had. I mean, let's be honest, foot traffic was, you know, quite slow in December and January. It's tough to compete with winter. It was exceptionally cold uh, in Western Canada uh, for several weeks in December and January. Um, but the good news is that, as you saw with our occupancy number, um, our turnover also declined quite substantially as well. Um, but that has put us into a, a pretty good position coming into February here. As Sam mentioned, we are seeing occupancy build. Um, we continue to see that positive momentum on, on uh, lease renewals. And so I think the cadence of that year-over-year uh, same property NOI growth will be similar to, to what you had suggested there. Again, you know, property taxes, as Lisa mentioned, we're not anticipating anything much more than uh, inflationary at this point. Um, but the, the comp period for that second half of 2021 was uh, will be more difficult uh, to compare against. Okay, makes sense. And then I haven't traveled in a while, but I'm looking forward to the stampede. But uh, from a winter standpoint, we had a fair bit of snow in Ontario and Quebec. Um, and I, uh, one of your peers is going to have higher snow removal costs. Is it Was Alberta weather-wise from a cost standpoint in Q1, other than colder weather, is there additional uh, R&M around snow removal? Yeah, at this time, Matt, I mean, nothing to, to guide or no additional news to share on that. Again, our vertical integration, as Lisa talked about, our internalization certainly helps to, you know, mitigate, um, uh, call it the surge-type costs. Uh, I think that is one of the huge biggest benefits of our uh, operational platform. Um, again, from a utility standpoint, it was ex just exceptionally cold in, in January as well. Good news, February has been quite mild, um, and the 14-day outlook for March out here looks looks good. You guys are doing better than us. It's snowing at the moment. Thanks for that. Next question will be from Jimmy Shan at RBC Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Thanks. Yeah, just a couple of quick ones for me. Um, in terms of the you know the fact that the renewal rate has been trending higher than the new lease rate, um, is that is that really just a function of incentive burning off? I'm just trying to understand what what is that actually telling us, if anything. 
Yeah, hey, Jimmy. Uh, I think for us, uh, there's a little bit of, you know, seasonality with it, you know, if, as we look at it right now. I mean, again, we mentioned in the winter months uh, and this winter with the fifth, fifth wave uh, certainly was a little bit slower. Um, I think the spring summer here will be telling, Jimmy, as, you know, our, we get into our busier spring summer leasing season, um, see a lot of traffic. Again, we, we have good visibility in terms of what those renewal spreads are going to look like. You know, on new leasing, again, pretty well all of our markets are seeing quite balanced housing conditions. And, you know, from our standpoint, I think going forward uh, into the spring summer, we'll, we'll likely see some improvement on that as well through, through instant discount reduction. Okay. And then um, in terms of the move-ins that you're seeing, particularly in, um, in Edmonton, do you have a sense of where the majority of people are coming from? Are they still within the province or... Uh, any discernible trend there? It's uh, Sam. Um, it's it, it's pretty pretty diverse. There there is a, a higher um, out of out of uh, town in slide thirty five in Edmonton, for example. That 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 shows, and we keep track and ask our new resident members. Uh, if they're out of province or not, and, and so that that has picked up, and uh, especially before the fifth wave, and uh, especially now after the fifth wave, and so the cold weather and the fifth wave did impact uh, the out of town uh, demand uh, mm-hmm. slightly, and and we're seeing that pick up now, and and we're. Uh, we're doing really, really well this month, as we discussed. Uh, most of our absorption uh, for the for the uh, um, month is going to be from Edmonton, uh, of approximately 100 units, which uh, is 1%, and, and that's pretty significant absorption over a one-month uh, period. And that is in February, and uh, the first part of February. Still, uh, we experienced the tail end of the fifth wave and and a little bit of cold weather in February as well. And so we're very pleased with the demand we're seeing right now in Edmonton and and our especially discussions with the not-for-profits and all levels of governments that we're all working very well together to um, welcome our new Canadians home to Edmonton where there's the... Uh, as the CMHC surveys and our uh, data shows, the biggest opportunity to move into vacant homes today and mm-hmm. into very affordable uh, vacant homes today. So that, that we are very happy to be able to provide. And it's a win-win-win for everybody. Okay. Okay, thank you. Thanks so much, Jimmy. Thank you. And at this time, we have no further questions, so I would like to turn the call back over to Sam Colius. Please go ahead. Thank you so much, Operator. As always, if there are any further questions or comments, please do not hesitate to contact us. With gratitude, we'd like to thank our amazing team of heroes, our great leaders, loyal residents, CMHC, our lenders, our unit holders, and all our stakeholders. It really is all about our people, whose huge shoulders we stand and as leaders, we continue to do everything we can to support continued growth in Extraordinary. We really can't thank our amazing team and great leaders enough. Congratulations to the well-deserved promotions of James Haw, our new president, and Leonora Davids, our senior VP operations. We are pleased with our improving results on a foundation of exceptional value. We continue to provide our resident members, our investors, and all our stakeholders. Our home is much more than a place or a location. Our future is family where love always lives. What can be more important when choosing where to call home? Thank you again, everyone, for joining us this morning. God bless us and grant us all peace. Thank you, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, this does indeed conclude your conference call for today. Once again, thank you for attending. And at this time, we do ask that you please disconnect your lines. Have a good weekend. When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration, and Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner. 
empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.